Abundance of love, abundance of grace, down to that cross, you took my place, oh God, you take my ransom, my ransom, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. And I want you to follow along. Most of these verses will be on the screen. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, the Bible says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Need to Know for Certain. Pray with me. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for your word, God. And I ask you now in Jesus' name, please, God, anoint me to say the things that would honor you. Anoint me to say the things that you want us to hear today, God. Teach us now. We're your children and we need your voice. Teach us from your word by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. We need to know for certain. We need to, that, that the first part of the opening verse says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain. Say certain. There's, certain thing, there's some things in life you need to know for certain. Now, <laughs> this world has gone wild. Can you, can you say amen to that? We got a world gone wild. We're facing stuff never been faced before. We got a government that can't tell us what a woman is. We got a Supreme Court that can't tell us what a, what a woman is. Uh, we got the whole world laughing at us. You ought to Google what other presidents, prime ministers, and rulers around the world say ab- about America and our gender confusion. But we live in a time of uncertainty where no one wants to say anything definitively. People who come out and say that Jesus is the only way to heaven uh, get lambasted and canceled socially because, well, well, what about all the good Mormons? What about all the good Hindus? What about all the good Muslims and people who follow that wonderful religion of peace known as Islam? Well, Christians don't believe any of those folk are going to heaven. Can somebody say amen? Jesus said himself that He is the door to heaven. And if anybody tries to go into heaven any other way, they're a thief and a liar and they won't make it. He said, I'm the only way to God. No one can come to the Father except through me. So we we live, here's, here's the paradox as a Christian. We live with a very certain and sure word of God. I'm glad somebody said amen. This book is sure. This book is tested. It's proved. It's tried. And the scripture says of itself that it is forever settled in heaven. There's no question about if this book is right to the believer. There's no question about if this book is perfect to the believer. There's no question if these things are certain. The believer is convinced that we have something that is both perfect and eternal. Jesus said that this earth would pass away and that even heaven would pass away, but that this word will never pass away and it will last forever. We've got a certain word from God. 
But we live in a time where certainty is frowned on. We live in a time where certainty is considered bigotry. We live in a time where certainty is considered uh, negatively, where people want to be inclusive of everything. I will tell you what I've told you before. I'll tell you again today. The Bible and Christianity are the least inclusive things you will ever run into. This is an exclusionary religion. This is an exclusionary set of promises. This is an exclusionary set of instruction for God's people. And the true Christian may be confused in their naivety, but as they grow in the things of God, they will come to realize that only people who have had a life-changing, soul-saving, personally intimate identification with the true and living God through the power of the Holy Spirit in a supernatural rebirth, born-again experience, they're the only ones going to heaven at all. And everybody else won't. There's no inclusion. There's, there's no diversity in that. There's no equity in that. There's no inclusion in that. It's get on to Jesus, faith, or you have no hope. And you need to know some things. In an uncertain world, there's some things that we need to know for certain. And as I was reading this book of the month over the last few days, this passage just grabbed my heart, and I was certain God wanted me to share it with you. The Scripture says we have these things for our example so, so that we can grow from them. The Scripture says that we ought to come together and pay attention to the reading of the Word and the teaching of it, And I began to think about some of the things that I've heard so often in my lifetime. Everywhere I go, I ask people, are they a Christian? I used to ask them, if, sometimes I still ask them, are you born again? But I typically try to say, are you a, I don't ask them where they go to church. I don't ask them what religion they have. I ask them, are you a Christian? Because more times than not, it will prompt them to expose their thought of salvation. And more times than not, when I've asked that question, are you a Christian, I've gotten one answer repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. I hope so. Are you a Christian? Oh, I hope so. And especially if they know I'm a pastor, then they really get humble. Well, I hope so, Pastor Scott. Pray for me. <laughs> Listen. I, I hope that, that John Cena stops doing movies and comes back to the WWE and wins the World Heavyweight Championship one more time because that will give him 17 championships and it will bump him over Ric Flair, whoo, the 16-time World Heavyweight Champion. I want John Cena to have that record. And I hope he gets it. I hope you'll come to church again this month. I hope that you'll treat your neighbors kindly. I hope that, that I don't get food poisoning because I eat out every night. But salvation is too important for I hope. Eternity is 
too important for I hope so. Oh, you hope your favorite team wins a championship. You, there's lots of things it's okay to hope for, but I need you to hear me again. It is foolish if you're just hoping that heaven is your eternal resting place because there's only two options. We had a woman, uh, she, she, by all appearances, she said the right things, talked about the right things, came to our new members class, looked at our statement of beliefs and 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 in in our statement of beliefs in our new members class we we tell people that we believe that there is a heaven and there is a hell and she asked me and she she stayed for a long time she actually ended up moving out of the state she stayed till she moved out of the state long long time member of uh, wasn't a member of our church she asked me can I continue to attend Abundant Life Christian Fellowship without being a member because I can't sign this piece of paper saying I believe that there's a hell because I don't believe there's a hell. What good is Luke Skywalker without Darth Vader? What good is what good is the is the dark side without the light? What good is it good without evil? And and, and beyond all that. Jesus preached 16 recorded messages in his Bible. In 15 of them, he spoke directly about hell. What kind of Bible somebody reading, they don't believe there's a hell? And what are you being saved from anyway? <laughs> I mean, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, church. And I'm telling you today, you need to be certain about your eternal resting place. You need to be sure about your eternal resting place. The Bible is full of verses to, to, to let you know if you have true salvation. I want to just give you my favorite one. 1 John 5, 13. Look on the screen, church. It says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may hope that may... Uh, no, that's not what it says. So that you may know that you have eternal life. Oh, Christianity's not a hope so religion. Christianity's a no so religion. Christianity is a fa by faith religion. And let me give you a simple definition for faith. It, it, it's it's very uh, it's a diminutive uh, definition. Um, there's a lot of expansion that could be given to it. But let me give you a very simple definition of faith: believing in things that you can't see. Okay. And Christianity is, everything about Christianity is by faith. You're saved by faith. We walk by faith. We, we grow by faith. We're going to get to heaven by faith. And we, we've got to have this, this faith that says, oh, there's just some things I know for sure. Now, it used to be the easiest thing for an old preacher like me used to be to say, it, it, it's just like you can look in the mirror when you're naked and you can know. Is you a boy or is, but we can't even say that anymore to half the people in the country. But I'm going to tell you, you can still check that out. And you, there's some things that you just ought to know for sure. And, and people are like, well, I just don't think you should be so dogmatic about Christianity and say Jesus is the only way. Uh, there are certain things you need to be opinionated about. There are certain things you need to be dogmatic about, and there are certain things that you should never be open-minded about. My name is Scott. 
S-C-O-T-T. If I meet you and you ask me what is my name and I tell you my name is Scott and you say, well, you look like a Frank to me. Make me no difference what I look like to you. My name is Scott. The government said my, I, everybody in here got a government name. And that's your, well, what if, what if I wake up today and I don't feel like I'm still, my name is Scott. There's no room for debate about it. There's no room for, I got a birth certificate from Mercy Hospital in San Diego, California that says August 6, 1963, Scott, I know what my, my mama told me my name was Scott. The United States Army told me, my, 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 every piece of paper I got from the Army, my DD-214, and every other piece of paper I got from the Army says Scott on it. But I just really think you look like a friend. Should I be open-minded to that discussion, or should I just shut you down right off the rip? There's some things you just need to shut down. Well, that's just closed-minded and bigotry. No, the truth, just the truth. Anyhow, and there's some, the, the Bible says God wrote us these things so that we can know that we have eternal life. Listen, <laughs> there's lots of things I ain't sure about. There's lots of things we can discuss. That's why as, as abundant life, people think we're a non-denominational church. I told you since day one, we're not a non-denominational church. We're a multi-denominational church. Because I, I, God made this sure in my mind and in my study of Scripture when it came to starting this church that no one Christian denomination has everything right. And no one Christian denomination, I don't believe, has everything wrong. People are like, what about the Catholics? You can't trust them. Listen, everything we know about the early history of the church, we know because of the Catholics. Everything we know about how to study the Bible, we learn most of it from John Wesley and the Methodists. Everything that we know about evangelism, we primarily learn. Uh, listen, if you don't like Baptists, if you got something against Baptists, let me tell you, have all you want against Baptists. But I tell you one thing they will do. They will go out there and ask people, if you died today, do you know for sure you go to baptism witness to a mosquito if the mosquito stays still long enough? Every true, intimate, expressive, emotional uh, appeal to worship and praise, we know through the charismatic movement. Good, 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 good. That's keep that key. We're not a non-denominational. I don't ask anybody to come here. He came here from Presbyterian. I always think Presbyterian. Episcopal. Well, it's the same Greek word. Um, presbyteros and episcopi. Um, but I didn't ask him to throw away all his uh, things that he learned. In the Episcopal Church. Now, he probably got rid of most of them on his own. But I didn't say you got to just trash your whole experience. Some of y'all came from Church of God in Christ. Commonly known as just trying to help make sure the black people are awake. Ask a white person what is Kojic. They ain't no. Uh, what's that, a new restaurant? Is that a movie? Was Tom Cruise in that? No. Tom Cruise is a Scientologist. And guess what's going to happen to all Scientologists? Well, that's so bigoted. 
That's so that's so non inclusive. Um, I didn't ask Kojic people to give up on everything that they learned in the Kojic church. Some of y'all came out of Methodist. Listen, we are a Bible believing church made up of people who've been in all different. I was born a Catholic, saved as a Southern Baptist, got tired of that, and jumped off into the most extreme. Listen, we were chair jumping, tongue talking, oil slinging. Laughter anointing having rolling in the floor with Oral Roberts and Benny Hinn and Rodney uh, uh, Howard Brown showing up at least once a month to our church. And we, we were just, listen, the pastor was so charismatic, he, he'd say almost every Sunday, the spirit's too high in here, I can't even preach, just worship it. And, but then I realized, there ought to be some preaching. The Bible says, how shall they believe without a preacher? And and the Bible says that God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save those. So I thought, okay, well, let me me just grab. I'm born a Catholic. Let me grab some of that because everything we know about the foundation of the church was recorded for us by the Catholic church. That don't make everything they say right, but I can thank God for it. You know, my parents got divorced. In 1969, do you know what the Catholic Church did to people in 1969 when they got divorced? You are, it is strike three, and you are out of here. Gone. They didn't care who was the innocent. There wasn't no innocent and guilty. They're like, oh, mm, we ain't filling up our church with a bunch of scarlet D folk in our church. So we did what all Catholics did that got kicked out of the Catholic Church. Went to the Baptist Church. Catholic, the largest Christian denomination in the world, Baptist, second largest, so we're like, let's just be Baptist. I thank God for that. Baptist church taught me how to sit in church and take notes, study the Bible, write stuff down, witness to everybody I could witness to, live right, act right, do right, and be right. But then I thought, you know, it got to be more just this intellectual approach to God through my notebook like I'm in some seminary class. And I just blew off wild into the charismatic end. And after all that jumping, hollering, screaming, and shouting, nobody ever getting saved. Baptizing people in the Holy Ghost every Sunday when they hadn't even been born again yet. Issues. Pastor telling everybody just begin to speak in tongues when the Bible says when you come together in the corporate setting, let it be by two or three at the most and let them take turns and let one interpret it. If no interpreter, let them. I'm like, hmm. No one group got it all right. No one group got it all wrong inside the Christian church. So we, we're, we're a blend. We're a Bible church. But here's what I don't understand. Why do so many people say that they're saved? Why do so many people believe that they're I, And I ask people every week, and I get in long conversations every week with people about their salvation. Because I'm committed to evangelism. I get in conversations. I got in an hour and 40-minute conversation this week with someone about their salvation. And this person, totally convinced, I know I'm born again. And I asked this question. I said, when's the last time that you read your Bible on a regular basis 
that you actively serve God with your time, tithe, and talent in a local church as God has commanded us not to forsake the sins of ourselves together. When's the last time you were committed uh, in a local church congregation? She said, oh, back in the 80s when I met you at Westside Baptist Church. When I left there, I haven't been in church since. 35 years? But there was no convincing this person that they weren't truly saved. And, man, I got a lot of verses. I got scripture for everything. And I, I got logic for everything. And I said, well, let me ask you this. If I told you that I love fishing more than anything. I'm committed to fishing. I love fishing more than my, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love fishing. I'm committed to fishing. Can't nobody tell me I don't love fishing. I love fishing more than my mama. I love fishing more than my, my children. Fishing is everything to me. And you said, well, when's the last time you went fishing? I'll tell you the last time I went fishing. Let me think. Jake was 12. He's 22 now. Ten years ago. And it was probably longer gap in between that time I went fishing and the time before that I went fishing. I have been fishing in over 10 years. I don't own a working fishing pole. I don't own a tackle box with any hooks in it. I ain't been fishing in over a decade. How in the world would you feel if I told you I'm more committed to fishing than anything else in my life? What would you know I was doing at that point? That's just lying. That's just, that's either lying or so self-delusional that, you know, call the straitjacket folk. But there's so many people. They don't read their Bible every day. They, 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 they would tell you it out of their mouth, oh, I know I'm saved because I love you. Because I, I got saved in 1964 at West Creek Baptist Church. And blah, 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 blah. How, when the Bible says the righteous are scarcely saved, when the Bible says the road to heaven is narrow and few there be that find it, when the Bible says many are called but fewer, and I went through all these scriptures in an hour and 40 minutes plus, didn't make a dent. They said, you can't tell me I'm not saved. I know I'm saved. The Bible says the righteous are scarcely saved. What makes you show? The, the Bible says, show me your faith by your works. What do you do that looks like you love Jesus? Oh, but I finally, I finally heard some tears falling on the other end of the phone when I said, I'm going to tell you the last thing I'm going to tell you about this, and then I'm going to let you go. I've told people for 40 years the scariest passage in all the Scripture I believe, for the unbeliever, is found in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, when Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. And I took a long time to explain what a double enunciation meant in that culture. Uh, that, when someone said, Lord, Lord, uh, that's a double enunciation of deity, and it means that the speaker has expected intimacy. Okay, uh, We don't do a lot of double enunciations. We do stuff similar to that right now. If, if Rolando and Jessica walk to the front of the church and some man in here said, 
What's up, boo? How you doing, sweetie pie? What's up, hot cheeks? Anybody think Rolando's not going to stab you in your neck? You ain't got it like that with her. She's faithful to her husband. She's in love with this man. He's in love with her. The only person ought to be calling her hot cheeks, boo, bae, and any other thing is the person who is truly intimate with her. See, we throw sugar pie honey bunch at folk, but you don't want to know somebody throwing that. Let somebody throw that. Whoa, let somebody throw that at Elder Jimmy in front of Nancy. Y'all see what happens real quick. Y'all, y'all pray for Nancy. We've been praying for uh, her, her grandbaby's baby to be born. Uh, the doctors were worried. The baby was severely underweight, and the baby started to gain some weight. And they're having a delivery right now of a healthy baby in the hospital right now. Or she'd be here telling me amen. But when, it, when, when Jesus said, there are many, 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 that's a lot. Road to heaven, narrow, few there be that find it. Road to hell, broad, and many there be that go in there at. Many will say, Lord, Lord. That means they think they know him like that. Some, now, some of y'all don't speak, don't speak uh, ghetto neck. Um, my self-described position of who I identify as. But if somebody on 103rd, if somebody off Lambing Street, if somebody off Ricker tells you, if, some, if somebody out of Cleveland Arms, if somebody off 44th and Moncrief, if somebody off Florida Avenue or Avenue B said, you don't know me like that, You may or may not understand what they're saying. What they're saying is, you don't know me enough to be calling me honey by sweet bear. You don't know me. You ain't got no, who you think you are calling me by some close, we ain't close like that. Jesus said many people are going to say, Lord, Lord. And then they're going to throw their list of what they, have I, have I not prophesied in your name, preachers? Have I not in your name done many wonderful works, healers, miracle workers, casting out devils, deliverance ministry? All these people that have done the biggest things we could look at with our human eyes that would, that would make us think they are doing something for Christ. And then he says, you don't know me like that? Because he said, then I will profess to them, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Now, of course, he knew who they were, but he didn't know them like that. Oh, I want to make sure that you know that you have eternal life. I had a former pastor. I used to love the way he'd say it. He, he'd just say, do you know that you know? Halftime, he wouldn't even finish. It was like, you know, I'll, I'll give you all the, the first half, and you all complete the second half. Forward. He would say, do you know that you know? So God sent me here today to ask you this. Do you know that you know that you are truly born again, that you have more than religion, that you have a true life-changing, soul-saving, personal born-again experience with the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me ask you this way. Are you sure that you have biblical salvation? Because here's the reality. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've seen lots of people walk the aisle, pray a prayer, get baptized, do any kind of manner of whatever looked like was spiritual at that point, 
Uh, and now you could, the FBI couldn't find them. Even deeper, the IRS couldn't find them. You know they'll track you down. Walk in an aisle praying a prayer. Why do so many people do that? And they leave saying, well, my pastor told me once saved, always saved, and I got saved when I was in the third grade. I never, did, I never really grew in Christ. I never studied my Bible. I, never, I really, never really loved God, but I'm once saved, always saved. No, you ain't. You say, Pastor, do you believe in eternal security? I absolutely believe in eternal security. I believe the Bible says what God does, he does forever. If you ever get saved by God, you'll stay saved till he comes back. God, God said uh, the, the elect will endure to the end. Those that are saved will endure to the end. But the scripture says, well, what about all these people? What about all these people that used to do this, that, and the other? What about all these people that used to seem so on God, and now they've just, but, what, were they saved and lost? No. That's, that's, a, that's another false theory. And, and I, I encourage you to read the book of Hebrews. If you believe you can get your salvation and lose it and get it again and lose it again, the book of Hebrews says, if it were possible for you to fall away, it would be impossible for you to be renewed. So what's the reality? Well, God told us in 1 John, they went out from us because they were not part of us. For if they had been part of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest. They were never part of us. All these people that look like they're Christians but ain't really. They can fool all of us. Somebody say amen. You know the majority of preachers in, in, in this country going to die and go to hell? I believe that with all my heart. The majority of church folk in this country going to die and go to hell. And people in the street ain't lying. When they say the church ain't about nothing, the, the people ain't is filled up with hypocrites, my cousin JoJo, uh, church on Sunday, clubbing on Saturday. Ain't no real Christian. They're right. But, man, these people believe that they're saved with no evidence. I like what one, what one man said. He said, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to get you convicted? Do the people that know you, what, what, what would the people that know you best say? Mm, I don't know about that one, Reverend. They talk a good game. I've told you many times, the greatest compliment you'll ever get as a Christian is if somebody tells you, uh, I don't agree, I don't believe what you believe, but I can sure tell you believe it, and good for you. That's a compliment. When lost people can't argue with your testimony, then that's the trump card that you need to have. Do you know that you know? Because hear me good, it's too important to mess this up. Oh, you know, you, you can mess up your children. Go have some new ones. Just blame it on them. Say they was, you know, strong-willed, non-compliant, you know, took after their mother. Say whatever you got to say. You can, you, you, can me you can mess up your job. You can mess up your finances. You file bankruptcy once every seven years. I mean, you, you can mess up your credit. Pfft, what do you need credit for? Just, just to borrow more money. only thing a good credit score gets you is the opportunity to borrow more money. You can have a house go into for you. You can mess up all kinds of stuff and still keep on keeping on. But I'm going to tell you this. If you didn't hear me already, I need you to hear me for real. If you mess this up, it'll be the worst thing you ever do. Don't hope that you're saved. 
Don't, 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 don't think. I sh- man, I sure hope I'm one of the ones. I sure hope I'm one of the ones. Mm. Our text, Acts 2.36, says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God had made this Jesus whom you crucified. Ouch! Boom! Bang! Pow! Peter's standing up. Now think about Peter. There Peter was, a coward, when, 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 when they were about to crucify Jesus, and, and they were saying, I think you know him. Oh, I don't know him. A little girl by a fire said, no, the, your speech pattern. You're one of them, ain't you? No, it ain't one of me. I don't know that man. Just denied, denied three times denied, denied. Went so far against Jesus that he, this, this is what he did. You read it in your translation the way you want to. This is what he did literally. He pronounced a curse on himself if he even knew. He is basically, let, let God kill me right now if, if I'm part of that, that, that Jesus Christ. That ain't me. Man, I've messed up a lot as a Christian, but I ain't never went that far out against Jesus. Can somebody say amen? He was a coward. He was hiding. He was putting his foot in his mouth all the time. But now here he comes on the day of Pentecost. Jesus said, Satan has desired to sift you. Like we, but Jesus said, but I prayed for you. And when you are delivered, strengthened. Here comes delivered, Peter. I want you to get saved and delivered. I want you to get to the place where you have the boldness of Pentecostal Peter. He said, let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, comma. Okay? Then he said, whom you crucified, comma. When you bracket, and I always tell you, pay attention to the punctuation. It'll give you better comprehension. When you bracket something with commas in in literature, it means you could take that out. It's not necessary to make it a complete sentence. But it's there to add something that uh, the writer feels like needs to be added. And and Peter was making sure that everybody there knew. I ain't scared of y'all no more. Because he had seen the resurrected Jesus. He wasn't scared of them no more. He said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, God made this Jesus. Yeah, the one y'all killed to be both Lord and Messiah. Now, say Lord and Messiah. Other versions, and if you know me, you know, I tell you all the time, when I study, I read every verse, uh, it, it, every Old Testament verse in Hebrew, every New Testament verse in the Greek, I read in eight to ten different uh, versions, modern versions, to try to get the, the most congruent thought possible on that particular text. And here it says both Lord and Messiah, but in many other translations, put the, put the New King James Version up there for me on this verse. It says, now or therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Anybody notice what word changed? Christ. Other version said what? And it's about, it's split. Half, half, the, half the English translations say Messiah and half say Christ. So we need to know what Christ, we need to know what the difference between a Messiah and a Christ is. Now, if you come to Wednesday night Bible study, you already know. Because uh, we, we teach that uh, on our deep dive Bible study on Wednesday night when we slow it down and take the scripture deeper. Um, but I want you to understand the difference between Christ and Messiah. The word Christ is derived from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one. So Christ means anointed one. Anybody believe Jesus was anointed by God? 
Amen. Not just anointed. You, hopefully you're anointed, but anointed to be the Lord. Anointed to be the Savior. Okay, so if Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one, well, what in the world does Messiah mean? Well, look at the next screen. Messiah is derived from the Hebrew word Mashiach, which means anointed one. You ever run into any deeply religious weirdos? They'll be saying, you shouldn't call him Jesus. You should call him uh, Yeshua Mashiach. Well, what if I'm Hispanic? Can I call him Jesus? His name is Yeshua Amashiach, Jesus the Messiah. I'm like, well, who gave us the Ten Commandments? And I always fall for that one. Run that one by them. Moses. They say it with conviction, like I know who gave Moses. I said, well, why are you calling Jesus Yeshua, but you calling Moses Moses? You want to go all Hebrew on yourself, learn to say Moise. Or are you just trying to be extra? I got you. I'd call it, pulled your punk card now. But the word Messiah, derived from the Hebrew word Mashiach, which means, guess what? Again, anointed one. What did Christ mean? What's Messiah mean? Are they the same? They're the same. One's just talking to the Hebrew people. One's just talking to, to the Greek-speaking people. So everybody would understand. Just like when Jesus was led through the road of suffering as all crucified people. They didn't invent crucifixion for Jesus. They crucified tons of people before and after Jesus. That was just their method of capital punishment. I used to like the way we did it in Florida. We had old Sparky. How many of y'all remember that back in them? That was good days. Ooh, buddy. You don't want to mess around with old Sparky. They'd light you up, put a bag over your head, and throw a million volts of electricity right into your brain. I, I think Montana, I, I think they finally... Did it one, one of them Montana, South Dakota, some one of them really you know redneck states? Um, I think it might not be redneck, but uh, according to Bishop, black folk don't live where it's that cold, um, and they are predominantly white. But they were one of the last states to do away with their you know, their preferred method of of uh, capital punishment was hanging. In our lifetime, they well. The Roman preferred method of capital punishment was crucifixion. And when they would beat them in the courtyard, then they would put a crossbeam on them, and they would write on it what they had done wrong. And they'd march them through the streets, and people would spit on them, throw rotten food at them, curse at them. Um, it was just a public spectacle, and you got to see what they had done. And how many of y'all remember what they wrote? Of what Jesus done. Said, this is the king of the Jews. The religious leader said, don't, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Don't say this is the king of the Jews. Say he claimed to be the king of the Jews. That's why we're killing him, because we have no king but Caesar. <laughs> and what did the boss man say? What I written, I written. And not only did he write it one time, he wrote it three times. He wrote it in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Because he wanted everybody in the world to be able to read what had been said. And that's why we have some translations that say Christ, Christos, and some that say Messiah. But it is both terms. I, I think I left this on, on. Did I put that both terms uh, screen on there, Rick? What, what, show me the next screen. I don't remember what I put. Ah. 
I meant to put this on there. Let me read it to you off my notes. Both terms, now this, this is right out of a, a, a diction, uh, uh, Hebrew and Greek dictionary. Both terms refer to the same concept of a Savior slash Redeemer who was anointed by God to save and lead his people. That's what Christ is. He is the Savior Redeemer. That's what Messiah is. He is the Savior Redeemer who is anointed by God, specifically blessed by God to save and to lead his people. How do we say it in 2023? He's my Lord and Hallelujah. He's my Lord and Savior. And if you don't hear anything I've said up to this point, wake up and catch this. He cannot be one without the other. If you look at the phraseology in Greek, these are, these are, continuous, these, these are continuous titles. They have to be joint. They cannot be separated. Um, it, it's like your wife ought to, ought to be your only girlfriend and your wife. Ain't that right, Rolando? She's looking at him. She put that side eye on him right there. See, on date night, that, 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 that's, 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 his, that's his best girl. But every other minute of the day, that's his wife. Can't be one without the other. You got, you, you, you need, Jesus, see, here's the problem. Too many people have walked out and prayed prayers and tried to grab hold of Jesus, the Savior, when they had no intention on bending their knee to Jesus, the Lord. God anointed him to be both Lord and Savior. I, I hope that you got Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because if all you got is some fire insurance to keep you out of hell while you keep living how you want to, if you're still on MC Hammer's Adam's Family Kick, you do what you want to do, say what you want to say, dance how you want to dance, play how you want to play, you're going to hell. I don't care how many I, I don't care how many aisles you walk down. I don't care how many times. You can be baptized in every hole of water between here and California until all the fish know you by first name. If Jesus is not your Lord, you won't go to heaven. In verse 37. Now, I, I, I got I to stay on this point because too many people miss it. Uh, this is... See, I, I, I write these notes. I, I, I've been preaching for an, almost an hour, and I've gotten this far down on my notes. I, I, just, I, just, I just throw some bullet points out there to keep me on track for what God put in my spirit to say. But I'm going to need you to say this with me. It ain't on the note. It ain't going to be on the screen. But I wrote this down twice, and I believe God wants you to hear it, and I want to hear you say it. He cannot be one and not the other. Say it with me. He cannot be one and not the other. Say it with me. He cannot be one and not the other. If you think he's your Savior, then he must be your Lord. If he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior. If he's not your Savior, he's not your Lord. He is anointed by God to be both Lord and Savior. Verse 37. Peter's words prick their hearts. Oh, that's what good preaching does. Prick their heart. See, Teaching is designed to give you information. Preaching is designed to cause you to make a decision. The words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, what, are we going, what do we need to do? Brother, what should we do? 
And let me say this. This is the hope of every preacher that ever preached a message. That they would say something so, so, so revelatory, so from God, that God would prick the hearts of the hearers and they would long to make a change. The words pierced their hearts. And they said to him, to Peter and other disciples, brothers, what should we do? Oh, well, now that's the right question. We say that to people now. Uh, oh, here comes another invitation. I hope he don't bow heads and raise hands. That takes forever. Uh, uh, here comes another invitation. Uh, I hope we don't call everybody down to the altar. and That takes forever. It ain't walking aisles. It ain't praying prayers. There ain't no magic prayer to pray to get saved. Well, why, why do we do it? Because the Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Well, why have so many people called on the name of the Lord and didn't get saved? I tell you all the time because I need you to know it. God told Jeremiah, you only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. You search for, you search for God with your whole heart, you will find out, well, if I'm going to come to him, it ain't just about saying some prayer and not, not, not getting any difference in my life pierced hearts willing to do what must be done is the hope of every gospel preacher and then God inspired Peter to tell them what they got to do in the next verse look at verse 38 Peter replied each of you not some of you each of you must repent of your sin hmm you still think Donald Trump's a Christian? I'm going to tell you again, Donald Trump's not a Christian. Stop with that madness. Stop with that madness. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I was against his policies. I'm for, I'm for fiscally responsible policies. But when the man was asked, had he ever asked God to forgive him for his sins, and he looked at the man and said, well, I've never done anything I thought I needed forgiveness for. All when somebody wrote a speech for him, and he said, well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. <laughs> I know a real Christian ever said 2 Corinthians. What is that, church? A second. Listen, I ain't, I ain't against Donald Trump. Donald Trump got a lot of good ideas. Uh, and here's the thing. He can talk for 27 hours without cue cards, and he can walk off the stage without going in the wrong direction. So you think Trump got issues. Where's your boy at? My king is Jesus. He said, each of you must repent of your sins. You got to know that you're a sinner. I, I, I've been living this out, what I've been telling y'all. Uh, it is not hard at all to get somebody to be saved. Not at all. Not, not, not in the least. It's hard to get them to admit they need salvation. I start talking to people about, well, I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, well, okay, well, then you don't, you don't believe you must repent of your sins because you, you, you don't believe that you deserve to die and go to hell forever and fry in eternal punishment with no second chance and no hope of ever getting out. Where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and outer darkness, your friends ain't going to be, your friends will be there, but you're not going to see them because you're going to be stuck in outer darkness with a horrible physical condition. And it's never going to stop. You're going to wish to die, but... But the Bible says that you will not die. It says where the worm dieth not and the fires never quench. Every fire eventually goes out when it runs out of fuel or oxygen. Every uh, maggot eventually dies when, it, when the corpse got nothing left to eat. You just got a coffin full of them. But in hell, that's just going on forever. 
I don't know what kind of life you must be living that you think you're not sinful. I don't know what kind of life you're living where you pedestalize preachers or other Christians that you think are all that in a bag of chips. Listen, if anybody in the world is saved, they are a, uh, I'll tell you how Bishop says, a low-down, good-for-nothing, scum-to-earth, backbiting sinner on their way to hell that God, by his mercy, scooped up out of the gutter and gave them faith to believe in the gospel story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There ain't but one kind of people in this world. Everybody's a sinner. But some people are willing to do what must be done. You must repent of your sins and turn to God. You can't save yourself. And and that's why I tell people, stop telling Uncle Joe that he needs to quit drinking a fifth uh, of Johnny Walker Black every night. Well, it's too expensive. You can tell him that. But stop telling me he needs to get off the drugs and alcohol. That's not what his problem is. What he needs is Jesus. Just, you know, just don't give up your sin. Say, okay, well, I quit drinking. Am I going to heaven now? No. You were just a drunk on your way to hell. Now you're sober on your way to hell. You repent of your sins and. What's and mean, church? There's more. you got to turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then. When is then, church? After. Now, some of y'all hung up on this baptism. Pastor, you say that you go to heaven without being baptized. Uh, Yeah, you can. But why would you? Jesus said he got baptized because we must do all that God requires. God requires baptism. Can you go to heaven without baptism? Sure you can, because the Bible says baptism is uh, by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not a works. Let's say man should boast. Baptism is a work. Baptism is something you do to prove to people that you're serious about what you're going through. When it says be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you go to jail for murder. Did the murder happen before or after you went to jail? Your salvation happened before your baptism. You don't get saved by baptism. You get baptism because. Repent and be baptized because your sins have been forgiven. Many theologians say it like this. It's the first act of Christian obedience. Then. When do we say then is? After. After you did all that what? Repent. Turn to God. Get baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all wonder why you don't feel the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all wonder why you don't get caught up in the spiritual. Some of y'all wonder why you don't have this dynamic, intimate, personal, uh, tangible relationship with God through the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you something today that you might not agree with, but it's the truth anyhow, because you don't have the Holy Ghost. Well, can you be saved and not have the Holy Ghost? No. Whoops. We In the charismatic church, we taught people you can be saved. Hey, that ain't true. That's not true at all. There's a difference. See, here's the, here's the word. The problem with that is people, people trying to make the difference in the wrong place. You, you don't, you don't uh, get the Holy Ghost after uh, weeks, months, years after you get saved. You get the Holy Ghost when you get saved. But there's a difference between having the Holy Ghost and being filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's a different message for a different time. But some of you here, you never truly repented of your sins and turned to God. You wonder why life's going the way it's going. 
I tried tithing, it didn't work for me. Listen, how about I try salvation? Well, I tried all that calling on the name of the Lord, and I didn't feel a change in my life. What well, the Bible says, if anyone's in Christ, they become a new person. All things pass when all things become new. If that didn't happen in your life, you didn't do it the right way. That, that's like saying, I, 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 took, I took my car. My transmission was acting up. I took it to a mechanic. Uh, well, if it's still acting up, you, need, you still need to take it to a mechanic or learn how to work on transmission. Some people never repented of their sins and turned to God. You need to do that. Some of you never been scripturally baptized. I was born in the Catholic church. Did my mama put a white dress on me, humiliating? I was eight day, 12 days old. I'm still humiliated over it. They took pictures. I'm Catholic dressing up their little boys in white dresses, and they wonder why they have so many problems. Listen, they splash a little water, pour a little water on my head. Some pour it, some splash it off a stick with some feathers on it. Some, some do, listen, there's only one way to be biblically baptized. We are Christians. We get baptized the way Jesus got baptized. We go into the water, we go down under the water, and we come up out of the water. That's how Jesus did it. And you have to get baptized after salvation. When Philip was sharing to the open eunuch how to know Jesus, and he said, there's water, what have hindered me from being baptized? He said, if you believe with all your heart, then you can be baptized. And they stopped the chariot, got out and baptized. Some of you have had a salvation experience that is more recent than the last time you got baptized. I want to tell you, your baptism is unscriptural. That baptism don't count for you. You only need one baptism, but it has to be after you're truly saved, not before. If you thought you were saved and you got saved after that fact, and you, listen, my, my old pastor used to say it this way, you need to get your baptism on the proper side of your salvation. When I finally got saved for real, because I'd walked aisles and prayed prayers several times. I'd been baptized several times. Uh, every time he'd preach on hell, I'd like, well, I'm going to go to hell. I'd be run down the aisle. I'll pray anything you tell me to pray right now, preacher. I wasn't getting salvation. I was just trying to get some fire insurance. I, didn't, I, wasn't, I hadn't repented of my sins. I wasn't willing to turn from my sins and turn to God. Never resulted in real salvation. When I got truly saved, the pastor told me, okay, we want to schedule you for baptism. I'm like, I got that checked off, preacher. I'm good. I've been baptized three times already. I'm box has been checked. He's like, that ain't real baptisms. He said, that's just getting getting wet. You that that's that's you gotta get saved, you gotta get baptized after your salvation. Some of you here never received a gift of the Holy Spirit. Cause you ain't saved. I told you, you can't you can't be saved and not have the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna get out of here real quick. Listen to these verses, we'll go. Ephesians 1 13 says, In him. That's Jesus. You also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Listen to when. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. You get the Holy Spirit when, according to the Bible. When you hear the word that is the true gospel and you have its personal, your salvation, when you believe. You get the Holy Spirit when you get saved. That's non-controvertible. That's non-questionable. There are many people that teach different from that. But do you want to go with what somebody told you, or do you want to go with the written Word of God? 
We're a word church. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit when you believed, when you got saved. The next verse, verse 14, says the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. God's already bought us. The Bible says we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. But we're still stuck here in Jacksonville with a crazy bunch of people. But you know what? Uh, Rick, Rick, Rick and Charity had their house up for sale. They uh, answer prayer came through. They they got it under contract. You got to put a down payment on something to prove that you really you really going to claim it. And that right, Jessica? Y'all need to put a down payment, get a house, talk to Jessica. Uh, she she'll teach you how to do it. She's not just a real estate agent. She owns her own brokerage. She's better at it than the people you know. But a down payment says, oh, in my mind, I've already bought it. Those people that signed that contract on Rick's house yesterday, in their mind, that's their house. Listen, realtors go out there and put a sign in the ground, future home of the Johnsons. They made a down. Listen, when God made his down payment of the Holy Spirit, when you first believed, you got the Holy Ghost. I'm going to give you one more verse because we're word church. Romans 8, 9 says, however, you're not in the flesh. Romans 8 talking about the contrast of the flesh and the spirit. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. That's saying if you really got the Holy Ghost, you're spiritual, not fleshly. Then listen to the last thing. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. I like the way the King James says, if anyone hath not the Holy Spirit of God, he is none of his. If you're saved, you got the Holy Ghost. And if you got the Holy Ghost, you got something in you pushing you, pushing you, pushing you pushing you to do what God wants you to do. You got somebody holding you back, holding you back. See, the Holy Spirit constrains and compels. He compels us to do what God wants us to do, and he constrains us from not doing what we shouldn't be doing. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, you're not really saved. You just got religion. I told you there's a difference in being filled and having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's finish this up in verse 39. Peter said, the promise is to you. And to your children, oh, here's some good news right now. You ought to shout on. You ought to double what you was going to give in the offering. And even to the Gentiles. You know, when, G- when Jesus came, he told people all through his ministry, I ain't come for y'all. Could you imagine? Well, you don't have to look far. Go to the Black Hebrew National. They'll tell you straight up. They ain't not, we, we, ain't, we ain't preaching none of you blue-eyed devils. We're talking to our people. You don't have to go there. Go to the Klan. You know the Klan thinks they're a Christian organization? Everybody in the Klan's a member of a church. It's like everybody's a Masonic Lodge member is a member of a church. They, they really think that they, they've got it like that. But here, they, and, and they're not taking their message to but a certain few. You know, the Klan ain't recruiting uh, Puerto Ricans, Jessica. They just ain't recruiting Puerto Ricans. You're just out. The, the 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 new Black Panther Party, they ain't recruiting bald-headed white dudes like you. You're just out. And Jesus came and told, and told all them Gentiles, I didn't come for you. I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And because of that, God opened up the mystery of the New Testament that God would allow Gentiles even to be saved and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to give God praise. Because we don't deserve 
a Jewish God to save our Gentile selves. And nobody ever thought that was going to happen, that it followed Jehovah for thousands of years. They had no clue that it was coming that way. I'm so glad that he allowed us to be grafted in secondarily to the Jew first. Stop being against Israel to the Jew first. Jesus is a Jew. Stop being against Israel to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He said, all who have been called by our Lord, our God. This promise, what's the promise? The promise of the Holy Ghost. You know, you can't serve God in your own strength. If you could fix your own problems, you'd already be fixed. You can't stop doing all the things you want to stop doing without the power of God's Spirit inside you. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit, to compel us, to constrain us, to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's what the Scripture declares. Verse 40 says, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, comma, hallelujah. Y'all been around for a minute, you ought to know. What, and and this, this, ain't, this ain't my theory, this is a fact. How long is the average sermon in America today, church? 25 minutes. How long the average sermon at Abundant Life? Somebody said, whoo, Jesus. Paul preached so long, a man was sitting in the window, fell asleep, fell out the window, died. <laughs> Cracked his neck. You're like, well, Pastor, I fall asleep every other Sunday on you. I mean, thank God we didn't set you in a window. Paul preached a long time. Peter continued to preach for a long time. This is important, y'all. This ain't just, oh, I'm a good person. I went to church on Sunday. Look how good I am. This is the most important thing you're going to do all week long. God commanded us to be here. Preached for a long time, strongly urging his listeners. How many ways are you going to say it, Pastor Scott? I'm, I'm trying to strongly urge you. Listen to what he said. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Man, I, now I don't believe technically what uh, the, the amazing godly Christian woman Billy Graham's wife, uh, the spectacular Ruth Graham, I don't believe literally what she said. She became famous for saying if God doesn't uh, pass judgment on America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. God don't have to do anything, but I get the intent of what she was saying. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have nothing on Jacksonville. And then let me tell you, Jacksonville, they try to make Jacksonville, Florida, like it's wilding out like, you know, Florida people are the wildest out people in the world. Listen, Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have nothing on San Francisco. Got nothing on Portland, Oregon. Sure got nothing on Chicago. Man, if it's ever been true, we need to save ourselves from this crooked generation. You want to be part of this world system? You just want to keep going along to get along? You just, you just want to let the world bounce you around till you finally die and crawl into heaven ashamed of yourself? God said be, be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over everything. The body of Christ ain't supposed to be the ones letting stuff happen to us. We're supposed to be the movers and the shakers happening to this. We're supposed to go out into the world and change the world. In our lifetime, we've seen the world come into the church and change the church. You look at the top 20 
high, uh, highest recording gospel artists in the history of gospel music, uh, at least 12 of them are flagrant homeless. B.B. Wine has hurt my heart so hard. I'm, I'm, I, I, love, I love everybody Everybody in the Winans family. They're the singing this family in the history of the world. B.B. just a flaming homosexual. I'm like, come on, man. Come on, man. Ray Bolts, Ray Bolts, one of the greatest songwriters in the history of the world. Ray Bolts sang, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm a life that was changed. Whoo! Ray, Ray Bolts sang, the anchor holds, though the sails are tattered. I thought, well, I'd love that anchor holds. Ray Bowles, a flaming homosexual, left his wife for his boyfriend. We have let the world creep into the church and change. Preachers don't preach long no more. Why? Because they're worried about how many people in the seats. People tell me all the time, Pastor, if you'd preach shorter messages, more folk would come. I don't care. I don't have to answer to who comes and who don't come. i got to answer to God. God says that I will be judged for every word I've ever said. That's why you don't have to worry about judging me. God's going to judge me. That's why Paul said, your judgment of me. They were trying to judge Paul. Paul said, your judgment of me means nothing. I have a greater one than you that judges me. we got preachers out there scared of the congregation judging them. Better be scared of God judging them. Save yourself from Man, if there's ever been a crooked generation on this planet, it's December 3rd, 2023. Every politician's crooked. Tell them I said so. You're out there thinking the Democrats are on your side. They ain't done nothing for you. You're out there thinking the Republicans are on your side. They ain't going to do nothing. They, all, they, they laugh when, when the joke is told, what is every politician's number one goal? Re-election. <laughs> That's what they're pushing. $175,000 a year job, plus making 10 times that much. I, President of the United States makes $400,000 a year. Everybody in the running right now is going to spend over $100 million to get a $400,000 a year job. You going to tell me there ain't some kickbacks going on? Crooked generation. School system's crooked. Brainwashing our children. Church is crooked. Pastors are crooked. It's a crooked generation. Come on, Victor. And the same word that was true then is true today. You better save yourself. And it's not that you can save yourself. You need Jesus. But, but I want you to hear it in a different way. You better do whatever you need to do to get the Holy Ghost inside of you. You, be, you better make sure you do what you can do to get real salvation because church membership ain't going to get you into heaven. Well, I hope I'm a Christian. My, my mama was a prophetess over off Morris Avenue in First uh, Church of the uh, 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 Sanctified, Saved, Fire Baptized Believers in Jesus' Name of All People, Incorporated. Ain't getting nobody to heaven. My daddy was a 33rd degree mason. He led the cornerstone on First Baptist Church. Ain't getting nobody to heaven. Now you better do what you need to do to get real salvation because the Bible says most people are going to be shocked in heaven because they're going to think, well, but I, I, I was a member of Abundant Life. Hey, being a member of Abundant Life don't get you no plus. Well, well, I supported pastors. Supporting pastors, God don't get you a pass into heaven. 
I sang in the choir. You know how many choir members are going to hell? Most of them. Most preachers. Most, uh, you, everything that we do in the name of church can be done by lost people. You can preach in the flesh, deacon in the flesh, teach in the flesh, sing in the flesh, lead in the flesh. You can put words on the screen in the flesh. You can throw music up on it. You can do all that in the flesh. Well, you better do what you need to do. You better, you better save yourself. Not that you can save yourself, but you better do what you need to do to make sure you get it. Last verse, verse 41X2. Those who believe. I hope you're in that number. I tell y'all all the time, man, I'm stuck on old hymns. I listen to old hymns. I ain't got no, I ain't got no heart for this fake pop music they call Christian today. If it helps you, praise God. But for me, man, you, you, you want to get my knee bent? You want to get my, my soul heavenward? When they say when the saints go marching in, they get to that part that says, I want to be in that number. Everything in my body screams out, oh, God, I want to be in that number. I want to be in that number. I want to be in heaven when all of this is over, and I want you to be in heaven when all of this is over, and you better do what you need to do to make sure your salvation is real and not false. Paul, the greatest Christian that ever lived. God used him to write half the New Testament. Shook two continents for Christ. Changed the world with the message of his Savior. Paul said his greatest fear was that having taught others, he himself would be cast away. He said, you better examine yourself to see if you're even in the faith. I don't care what ministry you work in. Are you truly, do you have the peace that passes understanding? Oh, we used to sing, I got peace, love, and joy like a river. I've got peace, love, and joy like a river. I've got peace, love, and joy like a river in my soul. Do you have any of that? You frustrated, you busted, disgusted, can't be trusted, and, and think that you're saved? You don't pay no tithes, give no offering. You don't serve God. You don't live right, act right, do right, be right, give right, serve right. You don't worship. You don't praise. You don't have a daily devotion. These things are requisite to Christianity. You're like, well, I thought all you had to do to get saved is to believe in Jesus. That is all you got to do to get saved. But if you're going to walk around and tell everybody you're a South Carolina Gamecocks fan, you better know who plays on their team. I meet all these people. They're like, oh, woo, I love the Gators. Oh, really? Who are your five favorite all-time Gators? Oh, well, Tim Tebow. Okay. Who else? Fake fans. Oh, I know I'm saved. Oh, really? What's your favorite book in the Bible? Why don't you just take a pen and paper out right now and write down 15, 20, 30 verses out of your favorite book in the Bible? Well, I don't, I don't memorize good. I could sing half of any song, uh, any popular song that ever exists in this country. You finish it. They smile in your face when all the time they want to take your place there. Your memory is fine. 
You remember all kinds of stuff, especially you women. You ain't forgot that one time 37 years ago the man forgot to put the trash out on the corner. You can't write down 10 verses of Scripture. You better save yourself from this crooked generation. They believed what Peter said. They were baptized. They didn't just make it a mouth thing. From Isaiah to John the Baptist to Jesus to every true gospel preacher on the planet will continue to say what they said. These people honor me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. Mm -hmm. Driving across town to buy liquor. Why? Get that right there next to your house. Save the gas money. Ain't fooling God. Hiding what you do from the church. God sees everything. You believe the word and you do something about it. James said, you say you have faith without works. I show you my faith by my works. That's what real salvation is about. What proof text do you have other than 15 years ago you walked an aisle with Bishop Bobo and he told you you were saved? They say, Pastor, people ain't getting saved much no more. That's prophecy. The Bible says in the last days it'll be great falling away. That's just prophecy. But you know what the people who are getting saved do? Let me say this, and I'm going to let you go, because I've been longer than I've been in weeks. If someone walked in aisle, prayed a prayer, cried a few tears, and said they got saved on Sunday morning, and they didn't come back on Sunday night, Wednesday night, next Sunday morning, next Wednesday, if you didn't see them again for seven months, and they didn't go to church nowhere, you really believe that was a life-changing decision they made, or they just stumbled through some words? Too many people sitting in church is going to be shocked on Judgment Day when Jesus says, I never knew you. You don't know me like that. Don't play me. So here's it, and I'm done. Do you know for sure that you're really saved? I'm not talking about are you a good person. I'm not talking about do you like church? Are you a fan of the Bible? have the spirit of the living God on the inside of you to such a truth that you know can't nobody tell you nothing you know that you know that you know that you know if you don't you ought to call on Jesus and get saved let me ask the rest of you this if you know you're saved have you been truly baptized the right way man we shouldn't be dragging this baptism out every, every a couple times a year baptizing you know large groups we ought to be baptizing people every month in this church every week in this church people just ain't getting saved at high rate because the too many people are convinced they're already saved when they aren't but if you are saved have you been baptized the right way by immersion the word baptism comes from the greek word baptizo which means to be dunked or pickled that's why I like it when, when, a, when a mother tells me, hold him down a little extra long. He, need, he, needs, he needs some extra. That's what baptism is. 
It's a picture. It's a, it's a visual language. It's a picture of putting a cucumber in and submerging that thing down in, in some stuff until it changes. I hope you'll get saved, and I hope you'll get baptized the right way. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for true salvation. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. God, you said no one can come to you unless you draw them. God, I pray for every person in this room that's not truly born again. They're holding on to false religion. They're holding on to false salvation. They're they're self-deceived thinking that they've got something that they don't have or they even know they don't have it. They're just too ashamed to get real salvation. God, I pray you draw them by your spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to take you long. I'm not going to ask anybody to come down front today. But I am going to give you an opportunity to respond to what you've heard. If you're here and you realize because God has pricked your heart and illuminated your spirit to let you know that what you have is not true, born-again, biblical salvation, and you want to save yourself from this crooked generation, and you say, Pastor Scott, I want to get saved. What do I have to do? The Bible says if you search for him with your whole heart, then you can be saved. If you're willing to repent of your sins, if you're willing to change everything about you that God says to change, see, it's not just about praying a prayer. It's it's about an entire life decision. And if you say, Pastor Scott, I'm not sure that I'm truly got salvation that way. Or if you say, I know I don't have salvation, I'm going to say that prayer. I already told you, there's no magic dust in this prayer. This prayer won't save you. But if it expresses the desire of your heart, God will hear you. He says he can hear the thoughts in your head. You don't even have to pray it out loud. I'm going to pray it out loud. If you're here and you want to get true salvation, real Holy Ghost salvation, if you want to go from being, being lost to being saved, if you want to know what it's like to be filled with the Holy Ghost, if you want to know what it's like to be a true Christian, you, to be one of those few that find it, you say this privately. You say, you say this in your head. As I, I say it out loud, just repeat after me. You say, you say it privately. Dear God, I believe in you. And I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and that you raised him from the dead three days later. Please save me. Fill me with your spirit and make me a real Christian. With nobody looking around but me, if you said that prayer and you meant it, I'm not talking about rededicating your life. I'm talking about to get real salvation for the first time for sure. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it and you believe that God heard you, nobody looking around but me, I just want you to lift your hand. Just lift your hand and say, I prayed that prayer. All right. All right. All right. Anybody else? All right. Anybody else? All right. Praise the Lord. Here's what I want everybody. You put your hand down. Here's what I want everybody to do. Whether you raise your hand or not, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want you to take one of those cards out of the chair chair in front of you and put your name on it and just check that box that said, I received Christ today. They're going to put that on my desk, and I'm going to pray for you every day this week that God will change you from the inside out. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org.
Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.